uh, paying homage to the Dare shirts, you know, the Dare to uh, or resist isn't resist drugs and alcohol. I heard. Oh God, we don't even know what the original <laughs> saying is. I did not follow this pledge as a child. I thought it was Dare to resist drugs and alcohol. Today's show is brought to you by Bombas. Save twenty percent on your first order at www.getbombas.com slash holy backboard. Let's go! Come on, everybody, and let's get to bumping, cause it's real blaze of time. Baby, Rip City's jumping now. All right, everyone, welcome to the 49th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in rainy Rip City, and I got my man Sage also in rainy Southern Oregon. That 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 storm. It might not have been strong, but my god, it brought a shitload of rain. I'm not really feeling it, especially since my like neighborhood kitty, like I had to bring her inside. So yeah, I'm not really feeling this extra extra rainy season. And joining us on this rainy edition of the podcast is fully backboard veteran Evan McCarthy. You may know him as Evan M on social media. Uh, Evan, thanks again for joining us. How are you doing tonight? Doing well, guys. How are you guys doing? Also the host of the Evan M podcast. I do. Yeah, we some we sometimes record a podcast. <laughs> so occasionally. Yeah, it's like the most it, inconsistent. Yeah, it's like Alonzo hey. G hitting a three pointer. Sometimes it happens. But when it does, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's it, it's. Damn entertaining. We talk about some stupid, crazy, awesome stuff. It's true. Everyone should check that out sometime. We'll get Dustin on, too, at some point to talk some basketball during the season. I would love to be on. You know, podcasts, uh, they're, they're pretty fun. I think they are kind of the flavor of the month lately. And I like the fact that, Sage, we have gone for over a year. Like, we have been at it almost like every week, even in the summer, throwing some some TBTs in there, and we're, we're we're fully back though in regular season mode. Yeah, someone and, had to go on vacation. Hey, I got to recharge the batteries too. <laughs> yeah, I guess you work too hard. You need to be focusing on holy backboard, and that's it. <laughs> yes, 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 sir. Uh, but can you believe one week from tomorrow we have official basketball? It actually counts. Portland tips off against the Utah Jazz. In the Rose Garden, uh, 7 o'clock on October 25th. Currently, they are five games into the preseason, three and two. They've got two games left uh, at Utah um, on Wednesday and at the Warriors on Friday. Overall, what have both of you seen out of the Trailblazers in, in the, in, so far in the, these five preseason games? Uh, well, for me, what I've seen, and I've watched, I've especially watched the last few games, I mean, I just feel like those guys are ready to play actual basketball. Um, what I've seen is a li- from the starters a little bit of sloppiness and just a little bit of not a, a bunch of attention to details. I've seen a little bit more turnover heavy. Um, but I mean, everyone looks crisp. Like Dame started off the preseason, looked really great. And he had a kind of a slow game last night. I know CJ started off kind of slow, but he's kind of turned it on. But uh, I mean, I think we see it a lot with all the sports, not just basketball, where I think that some of the veterans... Um, especially guys who've been playing together for a little bit, that the preseason just is a little too long. And Absolutely. I think they get a little bored out there. 
Um, I mean, Sage, what do you think? They are not the only ones that are getting a little bored with preseason. I'm ready to see real basketball. The rotations are so weird with teams. Injuries happen in these games. You don't want your number one player getting hurt in a preseason game. And that's what's happened in the case of a few teams. I don't I don't want any like legitimate blazer to play any extra minutes just for warm-up. I want re- real regular season. They know what they're going to do in the season. I don't want to risk seeing Dame or any of our legit rotation players getting hurt. Because I've seen it with New Orleans. I- I- I'm really down on how long this preseason is. Well, yeah, and you look at Terry Stotts and his management of Damian Lillard, and it's been fantastic this preseason. He said he was going to limit Dame to 18 minutes uh, last night against the Nuggets. He plays exactly 18, doesn't suit up at all in the second half. And you guys are right, like seven games over the course of 18 days, it feels a little too drawn out. I think anywhere between three to five games is a is a smooth fit. Mm-hmm. Really, the only position most teams are looking to fill is the 15th roster spot, and you can honestly do that in practice. Or, uh, so I don't, or just hand out non-guaranteed contracts. If this doesn't work, you got 20 days. You don't, you're not playing well. Let's see what the next dude can do. See what the next person can do. Yeah, I was really excited for those first two preseason. Oh, games. I was so hyped! I like Dame played a significant portion. I was ready, and then few more games happen, and I'm like, all right, let's get to some real basketball. Oh, I was just going to say, and I understand for some teams that are bringing in a bunch of new players, I mean, I was interested in the preseason to see, and I think it's going to be uh, a process to see how Evan Turner kind of incorporates him into our offense, but that was the one person I was really excited to see, but all the other guys have played with each other this past year. You know, they made it to the second round of the playoffs, so they've been playing a lot. They were down in San Diego with each other training. Um yeah, I don't think we need to see much more preseason-wise from them. Like, like, let's play some games that mean something. Yeah, you get that taste those first two games, and you're like, okay, I'm ready for them to count now. And then you're like, oh, we have a road trip. You know, we're playing two games against the Los Angeles teams. We come back home against Denver. It's like, come on, let, let's let these games count now. And to your point, Evan, you're completely correct. These guys have played with each other. Um, according to John Schumann from NBA.com, Portland has the, the, the best continuity rating of any team returning. Uh, over 90% of our, our minutes are coming back. You know, shout out to uh, Tara, who was a guest on the show that brought us that that stat earlier this week on her podcast. So the guys are really only filling one rotation spot at the moment, and that's Evan Turner. We'll get to Festus once he gets healthy. But for the most part, your top eight or nine guys, they've been there. They've done that. They know how to play with each other. So on one hand, yes, I do want to see how Evan fits. But on the other hand, you can tell, like, Damon, CJ, they're ready for it to be over. And I was watching uh, Talk and Ball last night after the game. You I usually poor, turn poor it on. Man. Oh, sorry. I, I have to leave. I just leave it on. Like, I, I don't know. You know, it's late at night. I'm not going to go do anything else. But, you know, Jason Quick and Orlando Williams had some very valid points that, you know, Damon, CJ, they're ready to get a move on. And they're kind of playing a little lackluster. I mean, not lack of lack of days of gold. Like they're just going through the motions. They they're ready for it to really count. But Evan Turner's probably pressing a little bit too much, trying to fit in with these guys. So not only do you have two new players and two different styles coming in, but you're almost on two levels of intensity. So I think this Evan Turner situation is going to take longer than expected to mesh, and I don't think that should surprise anybody, especially considering that Turner's forte is 
mid-range, not three-point shooting, and most of the shots he's been getting open off of the past have been three-pointers. Yeah. He's been creating this other offense. I mean, time together is so important. You're not going to get him into the defensive schemes because it takes time. Maybe in January, we're going to see Evan Turner absolutely beast on defense and offense. But it takes a long time. The defense is all about trusting people, being there for the helper. You can't really trust it that he's going to be there because you've only played a little while. So take it, it really, it really is a time thing for Evan Turner to get used to it. And like his style of offense is so different from what everyone else is. But once like they played like 30 real games together with minutes with the role that he's going to play, he's going to kill it. So I'm not worried about Evan Turner at all. Just you no injuries. Be, you may not be worried about Evan Turner, but what, for, and this is for both the both of you, are there anything that you've seen this preseason that gives you a little cause for concern? Anything that's worried you just a bit? Uh, I mean, there's something I've seen that I've actually been encouraged about that I was worried about and I will continue to be worried about until we get further into the season. And that is like rebounding from the starting lineup at the 3-4 position with Aminu now coming in uh, last year starting at the small forward, now playing the power forward. I was worried like, they need to get to him and say, now, if you're going to play the four, you're going to need to chase down rebounds. Mm-hmm. Especially with our team, we shoot a lot of threes, so they say, you know, long shots, long rebounds. Um, but I was checking earlier, it looked like both he and Harkless have been getting more rebounds in these preseason games, even on limited minutes. So I was, I've been encouraged by that. But that's something I'm going to keep an eye on for later in the season, especially when we start playing some of these teams that have a little bit more length and size of the four, three and four. Has always been a really good rebounder, and you know I'm not the biggest Chief fan. I've I've never said anything bad about his tenacity when it comes to rebounding. Yeah, he's a little little, and actually this ties into the question that I was going to ambush both of you guys with. No. Nope. All right. I was looking at rosters because I'm a nerd, and then I realized my one of my favorite wings, Chris Middleton, was injured, and he provides a lot of spacing for the Milwaukee Bucks. So. Giannis and Jabari Parker and Greg Monroe can do what they want in the middle. But with him gone, they have really no spacing. So you people can tell me that Giannis is the best player. But Chris Middleton is the most valuable player for their team to succeed. Who do you think is the third most valuable player for the Blazers? Because I think one and two is pretty simple. But who is the yeah. third guy? I think there are a multiple array of answers that would be acceptable to me. To me, after watching those last 12 games of the regular season and the playoffs, it's Maurice Harkless. What he can give, what he can give you at the three, his length on defense, he doesn't need the ball to score. He attacks the glass. He, you know, he finishes with tip dunks. Um, He's learning how to put the ball on the floor and finish once he gets the ball. But most importantly, he has turned into a very reliable three-point shooter. So he does provide that spacing. So teams are not going to want to leave him once Damon CJ get to the middle of the floor, which they're so well, you know, versed at doing. In the growth, he came to us pretty much as a giveaway from the Orlando Magic. And just the way that he's continued to flourish with this roster I only see him becoming more and more valuable. It's, this is a reason why I was really upset that we waited so long to sign him because I didn't want to just let him go for nothing. He was my most important free agent signing um, this summer, and I think he is our third most important player. What about you, Evan? 
Uh, I mean, for me, I think it's Alfred Camino. Um, seeing what he did last season in the playoffs and how he kind of uh, caught a little bit of fire behind the three-point line, and now with him moving to the power forward position, I think for if I think if the Blazers have a be- they have a better chance of winning if he has if he's playing well. I think that if for someone like Mo Harkless, I think we could still win games and get away with him being average on certain games. But I think night in, night out, we need more, like, we, we're going to have to rely on more consistency from Alfred Camino. And that's why I think he's kind of the mo- more important of at least Mo Harkless. I think with the Mo, and then coming off the bench, it looks like Mo's going to start. So it looks like uh, Evan Turner and Crab are coming off the bench. It's one of those things where, like, if two of those three guys are playing well, I think we're going to be good. Um, I think Myers is going to be a question mark a lot of the times this season. And then Festus hasn't even gotten on the floor yet. Um, I think Ed Davis, we know we're going to get with Ed Davis. He's going to come in and, and kind of clog the middle, get a lot of rebounds, hopefully a lot of putbacks. Um, but yeah, my guys, I think Alfred Camino. My guys, Alfred Camino as well. His tenacity, he was really the only defensive minded person. And the way that he rebounds makes me feel confident in having him be the, the four, the athletic four for the entire year. I have no Didn't- problem with that. Did either of you guys watch the, the preseason game last night against Denver? Yeah, I was there. Oh, uh, big shot. Both, both, <laughs> oh, both yeah. Aminu, Aminu and Mo were lighting it up in the first quarter by a three-point line. And if that, if like any resemblance of that, resemblance of that can continue, then like, God, we could be really scary this season. And to your point, uh, the person who was facilitating that was also in the running for my answer. I thought Mo, Chief, and then Mason Plumley also has the ability to be that third most important player. And you know from my previous episodes, I'm not the biggest Mace fan. I don't know if he's a long-term fit here. But what he provides, that playmaking ability at, a, at the center position, is pretty invaluable for this Terry Stotts offense. Um, going back to what concerns me this preseason, and I don't know if it's Terry leaving his guys in, letting Mason play a little bit reckless, but he really needs to not foul so goddamn much. I mean, he's been calling <laughs> in the first half of games. Um, I know we have depth at the center position, but it's not there yet. We don't have Festus yet. I don't trust Myers right now. Um, Ed's probably better suited at the four. So we really need Mason to stay on the floor. That's been one area where I've been a little bit concerned. Do you guys think that's a problem moving forward? Or do you think it's just Terry letting his guys go in the preseason? I think it definitely could be a problem. I mean, it is a combination of Terry letting him go, but I mean, he fouled out the other night in like 11 minutes. So in a regular season game, if he gets to two fouls and he's going to be pulled in after three minutes or four, you know, whenever he gets that second or third foul, um, it, it's going to be interesting to see if that has any impact on who makes the 15th roster spot. If it's someone like Steve or uh, Jarrett, just for length because of the foul trouble. I'm really not that worried about it. I see players that do things. I watched his back Biombo shoot mid-range jumpers in preseason. They're just trying to get that extra bit of confidence. I don't think these players that are doing these things now are really going to do it when games matter, but it's something we should definitely pay attention to, but I'm not really worried about it. You know, you mentioned doing things that they wouldn't normally do. Brings me to my other concern that this preseason, the turnovers. I've seen a lot of sloppy basketball, um, especially for just everybody, but a lot from the ball handlers. They're making passes without anticipating where the defense is going to be, and they're picking them off. So it's not like it's a complete bonehead turnover, but it's not I'm focused, I'm locked in. You know, they're they're not doing that. So it's that type of turnover. 
is that just a case of wanting to get the hell out of preseason and the flip can get switched? Or is it something we should look at going into the regular season? So, Mr. Statman, how did they rank in turnovers per game as a team last year? You're putting me on the spot, buddy. I know I we've, am. We've, <laughs> the past few years, we've been known as being a pretty good team when it comes to, like, I feel like in the top half of turning the ball over and not turning the ball over. Yeah, I remember, you know, when when Nate when Nate was the coach. I mean, we never turned the ball over. Well, I mean, we we were basically just walking. That that yeah. You know what? You shouted. You talked about Nate. I I don't. I love the people on the Pacers, but I think they're going to be awful this year just because of Nate. Really? I think they're going to be good. Well, just, well, do you think Nate's going to really want to play like? Up tempo basketball like the Warriors? Nah, he's a little slow down. In the preseason, they're in the preseason they're trying to. You know when things get tough, you're gonna go with what got you there. You can do all this passing and player and ball movement, but when games really matter, you're going back to what you know. So that's why I think the Pacers are bad. I would love some of the Pacers on our team though. Some yeah, and I thought they I thought they had a good pickups. A few oh, good. Oh yeah, they had a great. Teague and Jefferson, yeah. So to your point, Sage, the Blazers ranked middle of the pack, 14th or 16th in most turnovers per game at about 14.6 per per night last season. I, I'm I'm really not worried. I think it's trying to do too much, trying to get Evan Turner yeah. his spots. It, I'm not worried about anything. You, you, you can't be. It's preseason. This is, yeah, this is not how they're going to play in the real season. Yeah, I was watching the game last night. And I noticed the same thing you did, Dustin, where like Dame or CJ would dribble the corner and then turn around and kick someone at the top of the key and like not anticipate someone jumping the lane. The the rate the and those turnovers are concerning because when you do it like in that fashion, it gives the other team uh fast break opportunities. So I would be worried about that. But I just think that they're bored. Not but I just think that they're ready for the season to start. Mm-hmm. So we talked about what concerned us. What stood out? Um, I know there's been a lot of bright spots for me, but I want to get your guys' uh, takes on this first. When Noah I mean, Vonley game... exploded for me, it was pretty awesome. I love seeing what? when Noah Vonley played well. I forgot what game it was. Phoenix Suns. Phoenix. I was there, and the crowd treated it like a freaking playoff game at the end. It was amazing. Like, I email, uh, not email, I text both of you. It was like, I love the way the fan, the, the, the teammates are cheering him on. It shows that these guys really care about him. So that was my favorite part of uh, preseason to see how well he played, the teammates' reaction, and like his mentality in that game was, "I'm getting these boards. We need that." And I love seeing it from Noah Vonley because I have so much faith in his what he can be. He's been yeah, a high towards this preseason. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally, absolutely. Um, I had two things. One, I mean, especially the first few games, Dame looks like locked in, like really. What was the game where he was like pulling up like on the other team's like logo, basically almost at center court and Gabi. knocking down? Which game? The Gabby the Lakers. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Like he just seems so locked in right now. Um, and the other thing, the other bright spot, it, it ties in with Noah and uh, Shabazz Napier, where I love the culture that we've created. Where play, I feel like players get the sense that if they work hard, that Terry is going to reward them with minutes. Like Terry's. Um, a very strategic guy, and if there's a certain situation, um, whether it be a matchup or um, if someone's he wants to ride someone hot, I think Terry's proven that if you're playing well, he will play you. 
And I think in Shabazz's career, I know he started in Miami and then got traded to Orlando, that maybe he didn't feel that early on in his career. But now I, I get the sense that these guys are like, yeah, if I work hard, then I will get a shot. It's crazy what confidence can do for a player or even a person, really. Well, because yeah, how many game, how many games did Vonley start last year? Fifty six or something like that. Who who would have ever thought that Noah Vonley was going to start fifty six games for us last year? Yeah, I mean like, it goes to show the culture that we have. Uh, it's a winning culture, and Terry's a player's coach who one through fifteen everyone raves about. So, like you said, Shabazz has been a huge bright spot. And he's likely going to challenge for some rotation minutes because he's played so well in the preseason. Uh, to your point, Dame has stood out to me, too. The team just looks on another level when he's there. He looks like he's on another level. I think he's going to be a bona fide top five MVP candidate, um, especially when everyone in Golden State is going to be splitting votes. Prob- LeBron's probably not going to go too hard in the regular season. The West- Westbrook. Westbrook. Yeah, Westbrook will be in the top five, but I think Lillard's going to be in that top five, too, uh, because Portland's going to try to make that ascension up the Western Conference ladder. He's really looked great to me. I think he had like 15 points in like 170 seconds or something against the Clippers. Um, just looked like he was in another gear that nobody else could get to. Um, so Damus stood out to me. The Vonley moment was awesome to see that he had those moves in him. We've been waiting to see that from him. Even in Summer League, they didn't show up there. They are there now. Um, he's really one of our best bets at a young guy with potential to really make a huge leap. And I think, lastly, it's just been the depth that this team has and the different matchups that Terry has at kind of his his arsenal. Uh, you want to go big, you can play Myers and Mace together. You want to go small, you can play Chief and Ed and Mo, um, AC and Crab or AC and Turner. He just has so many weapons to use, and if he coaches his ass off this year, that could be a big benefit to us. I thought of an awesome question. I'm writing it down. What's your question, Sage? Should I say it now? Or should, all, right. Yeah, let's, let's, all right. What kind of talent, like what tier of talent would you consider for trading the first, our first round pick this year? Well, give me an example of like a rotation tier, player. Tier one, two, and three. Well, what's an example of a rotation player? Like, um, screw it. Each one more. Would you trade? No, it? I, would keep, I would keep the pick. We need a different. Yeah, whose minutes, and whose minutes would he take? Like, we traded our pick for each one more. Like, whose minutes would he take? Uh, and, uh, with our roster right now. Okay, bad, bad, bad one. It was a bad one. But I was trying That's to think of a rotation. I'm trying to think, of, yeah, I'm trying to think of a rotation player that I would be like, all right, yeah, he could take, uh, you know, he could take Vonley's minutes or whatever. Like, it, I think it'd be tough. Just for value of whatever pick we're what we're gonna have like the top or bottom twenty two pick twenty pick, assuming everything goes well this year. Yeah, I think if you're trading the pick, it's in a package with two to three, four players to get one guy back. That way, there's minutes to actually. And then there's that added benefit of like surprise for the fans and ownership and all that shit. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, I was just curious about that because you know. Yeah, it's, it's a it's tool tough. that you can use and shit. So it, 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 if the right trade came out, I would be willing to trade that future first. Protect it. I think the I think the most likely trade chip we have if we were to do with a pick this year, and I think Dustin and I talked about this when it happened, when that Myers Leonard signing with that contract, where it's, it's a, if he plays well, it's a very team friendly deal where he was highly touted the year before when he got before he got hurt. 
he signs that deal, which isn't a huge deal. And if a team is looking for a player of that style and we just have a log jam at minutes at that position, he's playing well. I, I mean, I think we could package him and, and get some real like real value back in return. How about our first and Myers for Greg Monroe? Would you do that? We would have to throw in another player just because Myers isn't going to get enough minutes. So there has to be minutes. Like we can only be so stacked at positions. I'm just thinking of the center rotation of Mason, Greg Monroe, and I kind of I would dig that a lot. And you mentioned in the previous podcast we talked about Denver and how they should trade their assets before people realize if they're good or bad or not. I think the t- the clock is really ticking on Myers Leonard. Uh, this is going into year five. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's no, lo- I mean, he's, there's only so much longer you consider him a young guy. Like he's almost an NBA veteran right now. And Second contract. That's when you have to show out. There, there comes it, a point in time when the player is what he is, is what he is, or he still has potential. And I think Myers is in that fine line of, yeah, he still has a little bit of potential, but if he doesn't show it this year, Portland is then going to be strapped with this contract for the next three years because teams are going to realize this guy is who he is. So it's going to be, you know, a, a fine dance for Neil O'Shea to decide when's the right time to move him if they do decide to go down that road. And when can we move him? Be isn't don't we? Isn't there like a certain time period before we can move him because we just signed him this offseason, or can we move him whenever? I got there this is, one, Coach. Got it, Sage. Yeah, one, one second. I'll get. I'll, I'll search this one. Yeah, for some reason I thought it was like in June because the trade deadline's in February. I believe it's like December thirtieth. Yeah, but I didn't know if it was like for if you're re-signing players that were on your roster or if you. What if it was like if you traded for a player and they're in their first year, you can't? Or yeah, I I didn't. I'm totally like confused as to which scenario this would fall under. You can't. Yeah, I think he trade. also has the. He can veto a trade too in his first year oh. or something. I know restricted free agents have some sort of rights in their first year of their contract that make them very difficult to trade. Yeah, January fifteenth is when he we can trade him. I mm-hmm. man, he provides some stuff. For an NBA team, he'd be like a high like for teams that are just under the cap immensely. That would help. I don't know, man. I'm well, not we that we got him. For, we got him for what? What did we sign him for? Like eleven million a year, right? Nah, wasn't this? And what was it? Ten? Yeah, wasn't the summer before people were like, oh, he's gonna get like sixteen, seventeen million on the open market, but then he got hurt. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, my thing would be like, guy, if you can showcase him at all and. And he looks at all like he did prior to his injuries. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that could be a really intriguing contract to trade. So we did have some news take place this weekend. Luis Montero was cut, and now there are three guys fighting for the 15th spot. Uh, Grant Jarrett, Greg Steemsma, Boom. and Tim Porterman. Yeah. Uh, who do who do you guys think has the upper upper leg? Who who's going to end up with that 15 spot, or are they just going to cut all three and leave it open until they find somebody else on the market? Oh, I have no idea. I know Steve has been in the league for a while. Yeah, I like saw that Jarrett five years. Yeah, I saw that Jarrett hit a three the other night. So I, in my mind, because I know nothing about any of them, I'm going to give him the upper hand with that because he knocked down a three and people loved it. But yeah. no, honestly, like I have no idea. I said on the anybody but Greg Steemsma because I want a little bit of potential. You know what Greg Steemsma is? He's a plotting center with not that much athletic athleticism and shooting ability. I'm going Quarterman or Jarrett, depending on what 
what's needed. And both of them, all three of them are unguaranteed. I know Quarterman's is partially guaranteed. So, you know what? I'm going Quarterman because it's partially guaranteed and I don't let, I wouldn't want to throw away money. Yeah. But and here's the intention too that Quarterman's actually making like 75, like some decent money. Other guys are making like really, really little money. So it would make financial sense to keep Quarterman. Again, I don't know if that's really going to be the end all be all when it comes to making a decision like that. But I would think it comes down to Jarrett or Quarterman. Quarterman probably has more upside. Jarrett gives you more length just in case you're waiting for Festus to get healthy. He can shoot the three. But Quarterman almost looks a little bit like Montero. He's that long, lanky ball handler. Um, played with Ben Simmons at LSU. So Good defense. I'd, I'd, I'd be fine with them going either of those two. Just Yeah, you're right. No no, no Greg Steemsma. Yeah, Quarterman, yeah I, Quarterman's more of like a – he he can hit an open three. He can hit an open three. Plays really good defense. Has pretty damn good like ball uh passing vision. You can't look at his stats with Ben Simmons because he took a humongous backseat to him. And the coach at LSU is not good at like compromising what he wants. So if you look at his sophomore year, it's pretty good. I would like to give him a chance because I know that he can play defense at a pretty decent level. And it's a good that type of signing, that type of player, like willing passer, good defender. That's what we want. If he turns into something good, that's just another feather in Neil's hat. I'm totally cool with that. Yeah, I mean, bottom line though, one through fourteen, we have so much talent. If any of those three guys got any type of playing time this year, then that means that this that means that this season did not go according to plan. Or we're kicking everybody's ass, and they're just racking up those, you know, human victory cigar minutes. Yeah, that, that'd be super nice. Garbage time. That'd be nice. <laughs> but we're... speaking of this season, Sage and I put together our predictions last episode on our season preview episode. Evan, we need your proje- pr- projections. How okay. many games are the Blazers winning? That's one. What mm-hmm. seats are they getting? How far do they get? And then your overall West champ, East champ, and your your NBA champ. Okay, so last year we won forty four games, correct? Yes. So okay, we we're four. Okay. Um, I think this year, and we finished in the five seed, and we played the Clippers in the first round. Um, I mean, I think forty seven sounds about right. I think last year was a little bit of a down year in the West. I know the year before, I don't even know if 44 would have got you in the playoffs the year before. Um, the, there was a little bit of shift in the West, obviously, with Durant going to Golden State. So nothing's going to change at the top of the Western Conference. It's going to be Golden State. The interesting aspect about the West is going to be what does – there's every year we talk about a few of these teams, which is Utah. It seems like every year it's like, God, if they can stay healthy, are they going to be good? I know a lot of people like Tibbs in Minnesota to improve. Um, if in New Orleans with Anthony Davis, if he can stay healthy and then Denver, people talk about, um, but I think, I think 47 wins. I think a five seed again sounds about right. Um, I think we could get out of the first round. I mean, it really depends on who we play. It's, it's so matchup dependent. Um, but I'll say we get out of the first round again and lose in the second round. Man. I think. The Western Conference Finals, I think it's going to be Golden State, which is, I know, not a not a tough pick to make. And the East, I mean, I don't know why it wouldn't be Cleveland. That's so boring, I know, but 
Who would they They're beat? Against... Who would both of those teams beat in the final? Uh, the, their conference finals. Oh, who would they beat? Yeah. Um, I think Golden State. I think the Clippers finally get to the Western Conference Finals. I know Chris Paul's never played in the Western Conference Finals, has he? Or eight conference No, finals. never, never, never. never got he never got more farther than he did in New Orleans. He is the Dominique Wilkins of our generation. Yeah, I think San Antonio, I could see them taking a step back yeah, the this year. The defense, man. I mean, Houston's going to be better, but I don't think they're a, a Western Conference title contender by any means. Um. I mean, so who does that leave? I mean, Dallas will be okay. Memphis will be probably okay. But like we were talking about earlier, they don't really have much depth. Um, God, I might talk myself into the Portland Western Conference <laughs> Finals. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. That's why I asked who do they play. That's why that's I picked them the Conference Finals in the preview episode because you said the West was down last year. My God, it's tumbling this year. You've got the Warriors who – pretty much sucked all of the life out of the Oklahoma City Thunder. So, Thunder by. Uh, Duncan is gone, so the Spurs are having to play a game without Tim Duncan a season for the first time since 96-97. I know he was on his last legs, but that's going to be different, just locker room alone and defensively. Yeah, like um, I said, tr- defense is about trust. How can you trust Powell as well because you haven't played with him? Their, their defense was fantastic because everyone trusted each other. But with like two new cogs are in the rotation. Also, like, I don't know how much I trust a Lamarcus Powell defensive front court. No, that seems, that's that's going to be a lot of missed rotations. And that like seems like a lot of points in that paint. And David leads the third big, and then Dwayne Dredman. I mean, Dwayne can play defense, but the the top three dudes cannot. Or, these are not your these are not your father's first. Hmm. This is going to be a new spurt. I think people are going to be surprised. I, I had San Antonio second just because I couldn't – I'm not that I, – I couldn't put on that much Homer glasses to put Blazers second. So I had them second, but I see the Clippers being second. The, the more I think about it, San Antonio could be the team that really takes a tumble. I, I mean, Ginobili and Parker have to just completely collapse sooner or later. I mean – all- It's so funny because every year everyone says that, but it has to fucking happen. Like, it has to. They are getting really old. It did in the playoffs. They looked really bad after game one against OKC. They got just ran out of the gym. Is it? Yeah. So, could you, you could totally see this being one of those seasons where Pop tries to disguise it as we're going to rest these guys. We don't care if we're the five seed. Mm -hmm. And then the playoffs show up and they just don't perform in the playoffs. Then, then that might be like, oh shit, that's it. Like, the Spurs dominance of being like a top one and two team every year. Yeah. I I mean, Danny Green had a down year. Um, Lamarcus, while he is probably a top 25 player in the league, I, I just don't think you can rely on him. And Kawhi, as amazing as he is, we talked about this earlier, he is like a system superstar. I don't know if you can rely on him in like a game six or game seven. Kawhi, go out and get us 35, get us 15 boards and like five blocks. And play uh, the best defender on defense. <laughs> yeah, he had an unreal season last year. I, I don't know if he can replicate that and that still wasn't well, even good enough to get to the western conference finals they had like a otherworldly def- defense with last year they have yes. to take a step back just because of the like the the, the trade for pow and duncan that that that's gonna totally screw up their defense duncan was 57 years old but duncan was in the right place all the time you can't say mm-hmm. that about pow saw yeah, and the, God, the other team I'm gonna find, I find really intriguing 
They have no outside shooting, and they lost a lot of length on defense. But OKC, I think, is going to be kind of interesting. I think Steven Adams is a stud. I do, too. If you listen to our podcast with, on the Blazers Edge one, you'll hear Dustin and I talking about how we love Steven Adams and Enos Cantor. I know, man. They, they just have no outside shooting. No. Yeah, no outside shooting. Um, no small forward. Who the fuck is a small forward? I mean, I, I, you might as well put me at small forward. I, you and Kyle Singler could hit the three, so. Me and their small forwards could, you know, if you want somebody to go 0 for, you know, 1 for 7 from 3, give up points like nobody's business on the defensive end, I'll, I'll play for like 50 grand a year. Like, I mean, Kyle Singler's getting 5 for 25, so. Here's, a, here's an interesting question that I don't know. I'm trying to think of the timeline in my head. Oklahoma City traded Serge Ibaka, obviously, before Durant made the decision. Mm-hmm. Do yes. you think they would have traded Serge Ibaka if they would have known that Durant was going to leave? Absolutely. Yeah, they I got think so. Deal. They got th- Baby Sabonis and Oladipo and Ilyasova for declining Ibaka, who was going to be an unrestricted free agent. I remember us talking about this, but where was Oladipo on your mock draft board uh, when he was a, a... When he was at Indiana, he was... He he was he was Bay like he and CJ were one and two with me. Same like, here. I, I said it on yeah. radio too, so there's no bullshit. I said it on the radio. No, I've always liked I've always liked Oladipo, but with Ibaka, just because now that there's no Ibaka and no Durant, arguably the two, you know two of the better defenders because Ibaka is so long. And Ibaka, even though in the past few seasons they've kind of just hit him in the corner, he was one of the guys that could actually shoot a decent three. Yep, and now with him and Durant gone, it's like, oh god. I'm, I'm I mean, like, if I could, if I knew Durant was going, I probably wouldn't trade him for Oladipo because he can't shoot. But Oladipo has a lot of defensive potential. That that front that that backcourt is going to be re. That's going to be a pain in the ass for a lot of teams. Going to yeah, be most athletic. I don't love the fit with Oladipo next to Westbrook. Now, if you put Oladipo maybe next to Lillard or um, Steph Curry or even Kyrie, a, a guard that can shoot from the outside, like, pure, pure shooter. Westbrook is more of a get the, get the fuck out of my way, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bang this on you type of point guard. Um, so I don't love the fit in OKC, but I, I get what you're saying. I think defensively they could cause some havoc. Although that small forward is just going to – they're going to be mismatched every single night at that position. And if you take advantage of that as the opposition – it's it's going to be – it's just going to be tough for the Thunder to win, I think, consistently. I think they might go on – stretches but i think they're also going to go on cold stretches they're going to be a team that roller coasters a lot i definitely have them as a playoff lock but they're they're going to be a, a team to keep an eye on because i think they'll ebb and flow all season long so who who's going to be the eastern conference uh okay uh cleveland yep um so what boston added al horford, uh, Hor- al horford. they lost uh, uh evan turner and jared sullinger and they added jalen brown as well Oh, and Joe oh, yeah, Green. The, the rookie, the rookie, and yeah, Joe Green. There you go. Um, I mean, Toronto will be the same old, same old Toronto like they are every year. Well, Demari nope. Carroll's gonna be healthy. That's true. I love Demari Carroll. I mean, both those teams are gonna be pretty decent. I I don't think Indiana's gonna make the Eastern Conference Finals, but I do think Indiana's gonna be pretty good this year. Um, I noticed today what that Chicago traded was such an. Tony Snell trade. for MCW. I, I like Tony Snell. Me and then too. they trade for a a, another guard that can't shoot threes. So they got Rondo, Wade, and uh, Michael Carter-Williams. Three dudes who – well, and Jimmy, who, who's decent. 
But those other three can't shoot threes at all. Hot take. The Chicago Bulls will not make the playoffs. Hotter take, there won't be three players on the Chicago Bulls that will shoot at a league average 3.0%. I think you could go four. No, that there won't be. There won't be three. Oh, there won't. Yeah. You mean you mean you think you can go two? <laughs> yeah, you can go two. <laughs> we'll make, yeah, Dougie Mc, yeah, McBuckets will And the other white guy. Miritich. Yeah. Oh, I love Miritich. I love Miritich. Um, no, so my other back to uh, Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, make uh, it go. God, I hate Boston, but I think they're going to be good. Uh, I'll go with Toronto again. And you I'll got Cleveland Cle- State. Cleveland against Golden State. God, that'd be a hell of a finals. Um, I would pick Golden State. God, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to <laughs> reward them. But how can you not? Like, it's just, it's when you try to rationally think about it, like, how can you talk yourself out of it? It's like, if they stay held, even if a couple of the guys, you know, have minor, I mean, that's why they, not why they got Durant, but it's one huge benefit of giving someone like that is that every other night, one of their big four can just sit and just do like maintenance rest. And I think after you hear interviews with them, talk about them getting the 73 game record, I don't think they have any concern about trying to do that again. I think they would much rather, rest because once you get to the playoffs you're all banged up and they're gonna be really really fucking good yeah i think now is as good of time as any to take a quick break and for you the listeners of the holy backboard podcast bombas is offering an opportunity to save 20 percent off your first order at getbombas.com slash holy backboard Bombas is an online retailer of premium, high-performance athletic leisure socks for the whole family. Bombas socks have been engineered and designed to look better, feel better, and most importantly, perform better. Simply put, they are the most comfortable socks you'll ever put on your feet, and you'll feel good about the purchase. For every pair you buy, Bombas donates a special pair to those in need, and they have been engineered for their specific needs, and they've donated over a million pairs. Thank you, Bombas, for your sponsorship. And now back to the show. We're back with Evan McCarthy, a.k.a. Evan M. Evan, thank you again for being on the show. Tell us about your latest and greatest creation, the Dame Tea, which I think might be your most fire tea to date. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, so... um this was actually a tea with all my teas I design. I come up with an idea and design myself. This tea. So for those who don't know, go check out the website, evanem.com, E-V-A-N-E-M.com. Um, so this is, uh, paying homage to the dare shirts, you know, the dare to, uh, or resist, isn't resist drugs and alcohol. I, or, oh God, we don't even know what the original <laughs> saying is. I did not follow this pledge as a child. I thought it was Dare to Resist Drugs and Alcohol. Um, yeah, we might have to cut some of this out. Hell no, it's comedy gold. To Resist Drugs and Violence. Oh. Violence, not alcohol. Good. I did the first, then I, I did you're, do, you're doing good, man. I'm only alcohol, yeah. but violence. Violence and drugs, no. Alcohol, yeah, cool. Yeah, that's fine. We're cool with that. Yeah, no, I mean, so, I'm, the, I'm the one on the podcast that smokes weed, so like, I'm, I'm the only one failing that. Yeah, you're failing that pledge. So, 
uh, like I said, I designed all my stuff. Um, this idea actually came to me from a homie, Jason Cobb, who I think he listens to this. And if not, if I, when I post about it, he will listen to it. Um, he's a general manager at Just Sports. I used to work at Just Sports when I was in high school and uh, partly in college. Uh, Just Sports, for those of you who don't know, it's kind of they sell like hats and jerseys and it's like sports team memorabilia type stuff. Um, he hit me up randomly and all he just sent me a message and said, hey, you should do the dare shirt, but with Dame. And like, I at first had issues with it because like I, I design my own stuff and like I really take pride in what I design and when I design my stuff. And like, I know that he had designed stuff in the past. So I asked him like eight times. I'm like, dude, are you sure I can do this? Like, it's a really good idea, but like, I don't want to steal your idea. And he's like, no, man, I'm not going to do it. I'm not, I don't want to do it. I want you to do it, but you just please do it. So he gave me the idea, um, for, this shirt and I designed it. So it says Dame, like it would say dare. And then it says to keep coming up clutch, which was, there are a lot of debates with me and some people I work with about what that should, the white part should be, but we settled on that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, just came out with it the other day. I've had it, I've had them printed for a while, but I've been debating on when to release them. Um, you guys put out a, tweet in a Instagram thing. And then Dane Carbot, who I know is a guest, uh, a friend of the show, he has one and he sent out a tweet and then people were freaking out. Like, where do I get it? Where do I get it? So I was kind of pressured into dropping it, releasing it tonight. So it's on the website. Um, I was originally, and I still am for the, um, for the home opener, the Blazers versus Jazz next Tuesday home opener. Evan M is having a, that t-shirt release party at a bar downtown called the independent sports bar and grill. Uh, had a great meeting with Damien over there, the general manager. We're going to start working on a bunch of stuff together, but this is the first thing we're doing as a pop-up shop during the opener. So I'm going to be there, I believe, around between 5 to midnight. So if you're going to the game, stop by before the game, come over after. We'll have a table set up, a bunch of M gear. There'll be drink specials, and we'll we'll have a good time. Watch the Blazers beat the Jazz. So we... Put up the offer. The best fan submitted question for tonight's episode would take home one of the free um, Dame shirts. So I think it's only fitting to let's get into some questions. Up first, Michael G wants to know, is this the year that Damian Lillard uh, makes the All-Star game via fan vote? Um, I don't think Portland's a big enough market. I think Golden State's going to get so many votes, and you still got Russell. So I think it's damn near impossible. I would love to see it. But my vote is very long shot. I no, he's not going to get it, but he will be an all star from the coaches, and uh, I mean he'll be an all star. It's just the fan vote so difficult, man. Yep. Yeah, and I mean, you, we talk about Russell Westbrook and Steph Curry. If not for those two, then Chris Paul, simply because he's playing in Los Angeles, that market's so huge that he would just get votes just yeah. simply because of that. So I mean, he probably wouldn't even be the fourth fan voted i mean we'll we'll see they always come out with those numbers when the all-star break comes but no there's unfortunately not again it's not not because of how good or bad he's gonna play it's just not gonna happen did brandon get voted in by the fans or was he a a the blazers have not had a fan vote since clyde drexler in 92 and and listen, this is how fucked the fan voting is. If if the NBA wanted to jokingly do it and let the fans vote for anyone, Kobe Bryant would start this yeah, All Star game. Yeah, would still start, man. Yeah, so that's how ridiculous fan voting is. Like honestly, Kobe Bryant would be a starter this year if they opened it up and said, "Hey, you can vote for him if you want." So no, unfortunately, not. Dame will not be voted for All Star. 
All right, next question from Tara uh, at TCB Biggs. A girl. She wants, who is your favorite team to watch the Blazers play? And you can only choose one each. I will be a gentleman and let you two go first. Uh, hopefully you don't steal my answer. Okay. Um, I've, I've been talking about him. We've been t- just talking about him not, not a few minutes ago, but I love it when we play OKC because I love watching Damon Russell Westbrook go head to head. Um, we had that game, the Dame time game. That was two seasons ago, wasn't it? No, that was last season. Was that last season? Like three minutes. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I was at the bar, had a, had a few pops. Um, but I remember that game vividly and where we came back and he hit that shot and, um, Russell Westbrook is one of my favorite non-Blazers. I just love watching him play. And um, so when we play against a team where our biggest strength, which is Damian Lillard at point guard, goes up against a force like that, um, I know Dane likes to get up for matchups like that. So uh, I'm going to go with Oklahoma City. I'm going with the Celtics because I like to see two teams that are similar with really smart coaches going at it. It's like a chess match. I was going to... I was thinking New Orleans, but I actually hate it when those two teams play. Both really good answers. Mine's really tough and kind of changes, I feel like, from season to season. In a normal season, I guess when when Kobe was with the Lakers and the Lakers were competitive, always Lakers, Blazers-Lakers games, there's nothing like it. Now that the Lakers have been trashed for the past few years, that those games have dropped off a little bit. Um, I would say OKC was up there, but then Durant left. I think Utah is going to start to become our rival again. So I really look forward to those games. You've got a really big contrast in style. I know, Sage, you like to see the similar styles. I also like to see the contrast. I mean, you've got... It's all about matchups, man. It's it's, it's fun. ...of the Jazz versus, you know, the up-tempo spacing, um, you know, 3 and D Blazers. You know, if if there's a 3, they're going to shoot it. So I would probably say the Utah Jazz... Close second, though, the Clippers. We get them early in the season after a playoff series last year, which was kind of, you know, a little chippy. CJ definitely wanted to play them, especially after the Doc Rivers fiasco. I'm sure they feel cheated because CP3 and Blake got hurt. So if we matched up again in the playoffs, that could definitely become like a, a new mini rivalry over the next couple years for the Blazers. But for now, I'll say the Jazz because they're in our division. We play them uh, four times, twice in the uh, preseason as well. and then. I'm projecting that we will play them in the playoffs too. So it could go back to that old Stockton Malone versus, you know, Drexler Porter era Blazers where we're matching up with them almost every year in the playoffs. And I would love nothing more than to continue kicking their their ass. And in, just think the Clippers are gonna be dismantled next year. So that's possibly, actually possibly. Not not set in stone. No, but uh, I have a I have a sneaky least favorite uh team. Every once in a while, when we play the Toronto Raptors on the road. Every few years, they will have a Sunday 10 a.m. game. Oh, and those I are fucking awful. Hate it awful. Because awful, if awful. I party hard the night before, I got to wake up kind of early and watch the Blazers play. And it sometimes it gets interferes with football, NFL too. Terrible, terrible games. Sunday 10 o'clock games. Terrible. Blazers can take take precedence over any sport for me, so I'm fine with that. But yes, the 10 a.m. games are a little rough, mostly because I feel like the players are still on 10 a.m. time zone. So brutal. That's up there. Uh, we have a really good question, and this one's for you, Evan. It's from, from our man Stuart, who sends questions in on the regular. He wants to know, which Blazers player would you want to collaborate with on a t-shirt design and why? Ooh, ooh that is a good question. Which play- Well, I've obviously done a few Damian Lillard-themed t-shirts. Um, 
it's tough when you when you design shirts that are based around players it's really tough because there are a lot of different factors like on my end i have to make a commitment of a couple hundred dollars um before i do it the year that wesley matthews uh popped his achilles i had a design almost ready to go and i was going to pull the trigger on it and then that injury happened and it looked like he was going to be out and then the talks of like well is he going to be back with the team so i unfortunately never got to release that design I had a really good Nick Batum design at one point. I almost did, but I didn't. So Dame, Dame's obviously a safe bet. Um, with this current team, a Crab shirt would be. I've thought about ideas for Alan Crab. I mean, the, the number one guy obviously is CJ, and like I've really struggled trying to find a design for CJ, but I just came up with them one about a week ago that I'm kind of excited about. Um, it's a little heady. Anyone listening to this podcast would totally get the reference and what it is, but like an average person, it might be a little over there. Hey, head. hey, I'm just gonna warn you. There's a lot of jackers in this this in Oregon, so. Just... Oh, I know. <laughs> I used to worry about that when I used to come out with designs. I would be like, I got to release this immediately because someone else is gonna come up with something like it. But now I see some stuff out, and I'm just like, no, I don't need to worry about that stuff anymore. Um, this one, this one would be cool though, and it's gonna probably happen at some point. Um. Yeah. So CJ, it'll, it'll probably the next one will probably be a CJ one. I mean, which I know safe. He's he's on a four year contract. It, yeah. So he fits the criteria, right? Mm-hmm. He's he's young. He's locked up, and hopefully he's going to stay healthy. That's the other criteria. Yeah. The Wesley Matthews one I had was really cool, but um, apple of my eye. Yeah, but CJ and I get requests for CJ a lot, a lot, a lot. So I think it's time. Time to give him an Evan M design. So a couple more questions from, from Instagram. My guy Cliff, who I worked with on projects at the Trailblazers, he did actually some really sick infographics of the starting five a couple years back that we released on trailblazers.com. So definitely a talented designer. He wants to know, who do you think is the most exciting addition from the offseason and why will they be such a good addition to the roster? So we only have a couple of choices to go from but is there any is, is there an answer other than evan turner well he's gonna be the most impactful and can we just has. say what about like restricted free agent that came for the team can we or or you guys could go all nba you don't have to keep it strictly blazers i know sage you got a couple of uh, apples of your eye from the entire nba oh you go first on sage let me think about this i have to think about that and thanks for using that term <laughs> trying to bring that back um so let's take Kevin Durant, okay. obviously, off the table. I was just going to be like, oh, I say Kevin Durant. Al Horford. That's like a, yeah, Al Horford's huge. It's not a sexy pick by any means, but that dude is so damn solid. Well, I think he takes them from Eastern Conference, likable, huggable teddy bear to, okay, they could challenge the Cavs, and they could they have a legit chance, I think, at getting to the finals. With with Horford, you got Isaiah Thomas, Marcus Smart. Uh, yeah, Avery Bradley, Jay Crowder. I mean, goddamn, Brad, Brad Stevens is such a great coach. There, it's like the it's the brain power too. They're smart. They they have a scheme that works defensively because you know defensive geniuses worked on it. I I, I want to see what Al Horford could do with that scheme because I think it's a perfect fit. Yeah, yeah, I my choice uh, as well. Uh, in division, and this isn't one player, but kind of a combo of players. I think what Utah did by bringing in three of those veteran guys, I liked. Oh, um, oh Evan, no, Evan, no, no. We you don't 
those veteran guys that they're going to help that team out? We've trashed those veterans on like three straight podcasts. You don't think that you don't think they're going to help Utah Jeff? We went on a guest podcast and trashed them. But you don't think they're going to help that team this year? No, what's needle moving or just helping win like a game? Well, last year they didn't make the playoffs. Do you think they're not going to make the playoffs this year? No, but I also would put a lot of that like on them staying healthy, the continuity they had with all those young players. I th- I think that Alec Burks and uh, shit, Rodney Hood will be more of a factor than Joe Johnson, and I think Trey Lyles will be more than Boris Diaw. Yeah, Trey Lyles is nice. Boris Diaw should not be taken. No, but I was talking about as far as like locker room presence. Those are all young dudes that are going to be now paired with guys who've been in the league for a long time. But what has Boris Diaw accomplished outside of Greg Popovich, though? I just worry that he's going to go to Charlotte Bobcats form and just not give any fucks. Well, Possible. Did, didn't he get some good run in Phoenix? Early yeah, but they too? called him Doris because he was too scared to shoot. And he was also playing in OG Mike D'Antoni, Steve Nash system where he was Alvin getting... Alvin Gentry. Like, that, that was an mm-hmm. offensive juggernaut. I just I don't see it in this offensive system. I, I think... ride with Boris. I ride with Boris. No, All right, George... hey, that's a new hashtag. Um, George Hill ride. is a addition. George Hill is a solid point guard, but again, Utah is not going to be able to score over ninety points a night. And that's this type of basketball. It's not the nineties anymore. It doesn't work. You have to put up points. And Gordon Hayward's already hurt, and he is their best player. Yeah, it's. So you guys, okay, so it sounds like you guys don't think they're going to make the playoffs this year. No, 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 no. no. We'll be well, third. Wouldn't then, wouldn't then making the playoffs be a huge improvement from not making the playoffs? No, because the West is down this year, in my opinion. And I don't because think, I, the, like, lock, we don't know about locker room stuff. So you might be completely right about that. But, like, if we're talking about players on the court, I don't think Joe Johnson and Boris Diaw provides the, the needle moving that Al Horford or even, like, a... Kent Bazemore, like I'd rather have Kent Bazemore than those two. Like to yeah, but but Bazemore wasn't going to take minutes away from the guys that they already had. Like Joe Johnson wasn't going there to take away minutes from really anyone, like any of their starters. We'll see about that because he played a lot of minutes in Miami on a playoff team. So that it's a wait and see, but I think the Jazz will definitely make the playoffs. But I think it'll be those young players that really push them into that playoffs. Yes, it'll be the young players and the health. Young players' health, and you also add to the fact that Dallas got significantly worse. I think Houston is a shit show. Unfortunately for your Pelicans, Drew Holiday is missing some time. AD is still a little bit banged up. Tyree Evans is hurt. Quincy Pondexter. Way. Um, Denver's not quite ready yet. I mean, the Kings are terrible. Phoenix isn't ready yet. I mean, it's just I think the perfect timing for the Jazz to make the playoffs. So I think that has almost as much to do with it as them getting Joe Johnson and Boris Diaw and George Hill. Boris Diaw can make the All Star team. That's my prediction. That's All my right. hot take. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, if it happens, man, you heard it on the Holy Backboard first. The out of the All Star game. Where are they where are they have the All Star game this year? It's in New Orleans. Yep. Nola. Yeah, because Charlotte's the worst. (laughs) Last fan question of the evening from my man, Stu Pendis 52. Shout out to Stu. He hooked me up with those um, amazing seats at last night's game. He actually has a question that I wanted to touch on, so this is perfect timing. He said, Slam Online recently rated CJ the 42nd 
best player in the league in their top 50. Dame was in at number 10, the third best point guard. Are these ratings too high or low, and how will CJ's game need to develop to crack the top 25? Let's take this one at a time. Let's each go around and see, were the ratings too high or too low? I've got my thoughts, but Evan, I'm going to pass it off to you for this where, one. Who was like, the, right. where was CJ? No, good. No, no, no. This is good. This uh, is good. I haven't even looked at this list. Yeah, I haven't let me try to Let me try to quickly guess the top 10 and see how close I can get. Well, the top 10 hasn't been released yet. DeMarcus oh. Cousins at 9 was as high as they've gone so far. Dame just oh. got released today at number 10. Oh, oh damn! All right, well, well, I guess we would know if we if I looked at the list and saw the eight missing. Then I guess we could definitely figure out who that were. Um, I will I think, read off the top. I'll just go forty-two to thirty-five. I will tell you who's ahead of CJ in that. Yeah, that's what I was going. Forty-one, Pau Gasol. Mm. Forty, cool. Gobert. Mm. Thirty-nine, Kevin Love. Thirty-eight, Dirk Nowitzki. Thirty-seven, uh, Porzingis. Thirty-six, Kemba. Thirty-five, Dwight. I, I wow. would, it might be because I'm biased. I think CJ's better than four or five of those guys. Yeah, like, I, I Porzingis faded so hard. I, I would put him ahead of all of those. Who, who's, who's the five ahead of that? Hassan Whiteside at 34. That's too low, in my opinion. I yeah. think he's a man child. Gordon Hayward at 33. I got CJ. 32, Mike Conley, uh, maybe a couple years ago. 31, Andrew Wiggins. That's hype Absolutely alone. Absolutely no. Like, 30, Dwayne Wade. Yeah, maybe three years ago. Dwayne is washed. I'm talking about Wiggins. That's what upset me. Um, I mean, you, you look yeah. at those. I think CJ There's an argument for every one of those people you said that CJ's better. I would put CJ top 30, and I think to... I guess we're all in agreement CJ should be higher, so that the second part of the question, what does he have to do to crack not only our top 25, but I guess the national media. Does well, he just national have... media is so slow on like what, these what, what he's got, yeah, what he's got to do is wait a couple years with a lot of those guys are going to just literally not be in the league anymore. And he's going to well, jump a lot of them. A, you know, breakout playoff series like he had against the Clippers and Warriors. Like, do you think going leading this team with Damian because the Blazers will only go as far as those two can take them? Do you think if they can build on this season, um, just from a, an individual? Overall game, I think CJ needs to work on his decision making a little bit more. Sometimes he gets dribble happy. Sometimes he doesn't know when to pass or when to shoot. And I think that's only going to come with time. But we've, he's already shown a great ability to probe the floor. He's a deadly mid range shooter. So I think on the offensive end, it's just decision making when to go, when to pass, how much to dribble, and the duration of that. Obviously, he's got the defensive issues. I don't expect him to get all of this in one season, take it one step at a time. But if he could uh, step up his defense just just slightly, I think steals to get a game. Um, to me, steals is such a hard stat to defense is so hard to judge. I I think that his defense will step up when everybody around him. It's not an individual game, so if yep, he it's a it, game. It, it's it's about trust. So if the the Blazers get that continuity together, like the difference between. Being an elite defense and being a awful defense is so thin. It's like two possessions a quarter you stop them instead of them scoring. So once that all those players trust each other, they communicate, I, I'm, I'm I'm pretty confident that CJ will be on that that top forty five list next year. Yeah, yeah, uh, right. It, defense is a team game. He gets a little bit more help from Mace and Myers on the pick and roll. Alpha uh, all of a sudden, 
all of a sudden those mid-range jumpers aren't so easy and you're making a guy who's like Devin Booker who's looking to score. Now he's looking to pass and it's not his his comfort zone. So that makes CJ look better on the defensive end. And I'm sure like when the shooting guard or when he plays point guard, the pick and roll happens and then Mace or whomever the center is sags. It makes CJ look really bad. Defender is sagging. Because what can he do when he's sealed off by a, a good screen? Nothing. So it's going to look like he's giving up all these points, but it's really the scheme that the Blazers are running that made him look bad. Anything else to add on that, Devin? No, yeah, I mean, as far as the, the going back to the question of him cracking a top 25, I mean, just like the most obvious answer is, like I mentioned, there's a bunch of dudes in front of him who in a few years are going to fall out just because they're getting older, like Dirk Nowitzki and Dwight and all them. It's it's interesting when you're on it with someone like CJ who's on he's on a team with Damian Lillard and they do so many of the things very similar. It's gonna probably as long as he's on this team, it's gonna be hard for him to climb up rankings like that. You know what I mean? Like if he were to be on a team where he was more one of a kind, then maybe he would stand out more. But we, I mean, we got two guys that are very similar in the way that they play and they play aside they play right next to each other. So. Yeah, I just think their rankings will go as the team goes. They have another good season. You're going to start seeing more of these preseason rankings. The 2K rankings will be higher. And again, it's all just for talk. But I think the the big surprise, and I was pleasantly surprised to see it, was Lillard was a top 10 player. The third point guard, even ahead of Chris Paul, he's been a top 10 player to me for a while, and he showed it last year. I think he's only going to improve and it's nice to see the national media start to give him some love. I know people like to pick apart his defense or that he's like a 42% shooter, but on this team, he has to be our offense. I mean, mm-hmm. he is the guy. He, he doesn't have the luxury of playing with, you know, Clay Thompson and Draymond Green and Kevin Durant. Like he is the focal point of the defense. And it really was that way in the first half of the season when CJ was, you know, coming on, but he wasn't the CJ McCollum he is now. Now defenses have to fear them both. But going into the last season, everyone was like, oh, let's just stop Dame and we'll shut this team down. Well, he, he stepped up in a big way. We lost five of, five of our six top players from that 2014 team, and we still made it to the second round of the playoffs. And that was in large part to Lillard. And what I love that they factored in is his intangibles. Um, here's a guy who continues to say all of the right things he has the right mindset. He's daydreaming about, you know, holding a championship down Broadway. He even told J.A. Adonde that the goal this year is Western Conference Finals and beyond. They're not satisfied with just making the second round. And when he has that type of leadership, it trickles down from number one to number 15, and everybody has that mindset. So it's not just about what you can do on the basketball floor. It's how you lead a team in the locker room. And I think that's really where Dame excels. So it was amazing to see them at least acknowledge that he's a top 10 player. I think Dame has that Kevin Garnettness where being a leader is in his DNA. A lot of NBA players who think of themselves as leaders, they, are they leaders when your team is going on a five-game losing streak? No. I think that being a leader is in his DNA because I'm a fan of another team where I can't say that Anthony Davis is the leader of that team. I think it's Quincy Pondexter and Solomon Hill. So being that, having that leadership from your number one guy adds so much because nobody can say, I'm obviously better than this person. He's yeah, had that confidence that. from jump. He had that confidence from jump. 
Yeah, and part of that is, too, uh, with a lot of these guys, if you did, like, a, a list of down by one with 10 seconds left, who do you want to have? Who do you want to have the ball in their hand? He's got to be in the top two or three. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Just and, and then we talk about the intangibles and all that, but, like, and there's the intangible. There's one thing of thinking you can win a game, but he literally does win games. Like, he's done it, and he will continue to do it. And I think that that plays a big part into it, too. Like, just some guy who's not only, like, just... The, not going to shy away from it, but he literally does win games. Like it's something he does. So, would you say Dame to keep coming up clutch? Oh, absolutely! Take the pledge, <laughs> Dame. That, keep coming up clutch. That was a classic. Uh, that was a good one. That was a good one. All right, uh, it's been a great episode, and it's not quite time to wrap it up. Let's talk about the first game of the season. Let's give our, our preview of what we're looking to see. And there's no stats for this preview initially. Uh, I don't like going off preseason or last year. Things have just changed too much. So many for, variables in this, in, in, from this year to last. So this is a brand new season. I hate it when I hear people like, well, they added this player and this player, so they're going to be five wins better. Nah, everything's different. The only thing that's the same is that the team's name is still the Portland Trailblazers. A lot of things have changed. And they kick off the 2016-27 campaign against their Northwest Division rivals, the Utah Jazz. It early on in, in the, all of the the magazines and all of the internet debate, it was pretty clear that most people thought it would come down to Portland and Utah to win the Northwest Division. The Jazz were dealt a pretty severe blow um, earlier in the preseason when Gordon Hayward actually suffered a dislocated and broken finger on his left hand. He is going to be out for six weeks. He'll definitely miss opening night. Um, Alec Burks is recovering from knee and ankle surgeries, and it's unclear if he's going to play um, on October 25th against the Trailblazers in Portland. And he's pretty damn good. And you take a look at Gordon Hayward. He is their offense, and he has the ability to go off for 20, 25 points a night and really keep the game at a back-and-forth pace because he's one of the best young scorers in the league. But, Sage, does this – change obviously it changes things for the utah jazz but how should it should it change for portland or should they approach this as if hayward and burks are going to play because if they take utah lightly they're going to get smacked in the face i think that it changes a lot based on like their defensive principles and their strategy for this game because with burks and hayward you have to respect their three-point shooting but if both of them are out who on that utah team is going to hit a three Oh, I know. A guy named Boris Diaw, my all-star. All right. Rodney. Rodney Hood. Joe Johnson, baby. All right. Hey, I led you into those two. But I, I think <laughs> that I would pack. I would focus a lot on not letting them get to the basket and protecting the paint really well and covering Rodney Hood. Yeah, I think it's important that Portland does not let this game get ugly or muddled. No, um, you got to keep it, it flowing. Two different styles. And this is in Portland, right? It's in Portland, and if you let the Jazz hang around, they'll, they'll they'll knock you off. You have to set the tone early that this is going to be our rhythm. We're going to set the tempo here. We're not going to let you ugly this game up. And I think one way Portland does that is they limit their fouls, so they're not getting into the penalty early. They're not letting Utah slow the game down and living at the free throw line. And they're also creating turnovers, getting out on the break, and getting that raucous Rose Garden crowd up in a frenzy because it's opening night. The Blazers will be going for their 16th consecutive opening night victory at home. So there's still a lot on the line. And then 
there's the thing that you're playing the Jazz four times this year. You don't want to lose any of your home games against them in case the tiebreaker, because Utah is a difficult place to win. It's a tough place to play. And they Utah could shoot, suit up like five eighth graders and still be a tough, tough opponent at home. Yeah. So Portland needs to protect the home court and really jump out on the Jazz over this first month while they're licking their wounds, waiting for Hayward to heal. Portland needs to take advantage of this and utilize this cushion for the remainder of the season. And I would want to, I would roll with Plumley pick and rolls. Hopefully he can hit a like outside J so uh, Rudy Gobert can actually is leaving the paint, which will create driving lanes for CJ and Dame. Yeah, yeah. I mean, make Rudy Gobert move on defense. Uh, you can't let him stand and be the stifle tower that he is. If you make him move, and make his reaction times a little bit slower. That will allow, like you said, Damon CJ to get that extra instant of a second that they can to finish up and over him. Or a, a driving lane that wasn't there. Yeah, for me, the the one thing I'm going to be looking at, I talked about it earlier, If since Aminu's going to be starting at the four, presumably Harkless at the three, it's weird in the Northwest Division, there. I know that in the NBA as a whole, we've gone to the whole, like, oh, it's small ball, big guys are kind of being phased out, but Utah is one of those teams that's got Rudy, Go- Rudy Gobert and then Derek Favor is going to start. So I'm really looking for both Aminu and Harkless to really crash the boards and try to help out Plumlee get some of the rebounds against those two monsters. Well, just think. I, oh, go ahead, say. Just no, think, go ahead, uh, Favors is going to have to guard Aminu too. So like they could pound us in the paint, but Derek Favors. It's going to be yeah. It's going to be not want to the other team. It's going to be who forces the other team to play their style of basketball. Did Did you see how uh, Harkless was dominating when he was the four? That was because Favors was on him, and he is not chasing him around the perimeter. He had some nice spin moves on him. He put him in the spin cycle yeah. a couple times. I mean, Favors looked nice too, but like he has to play defense against our fast speed fours. Sage, what is your X factor going into tonight? Or not tonight, going into opening night, I should say. Who can dictate the pace and style of play, I think, is the X factor. And so do you the think guard- get the 100 points they win? Is that the type of pace you're talking about? Yeah, we have to be fluid in our offense, and then the guards just dominating the jazz guards. Evan, what will you be looking forward to in that game? Yeah, just execution by guard play. I mean, we talked about earlier how during the preseason they've looked a little sloppy. Um, so hopefully it's just something they clean up uh, by game one. I mean, it'd be really unfortunate, like you said, with um, Hayward out and Burke out to kind of drop a home game like this. I mean, it's a game that we should win. So I, I'm looking for the guard play to execute. Well, since you guys both took my X Factor, it was going to be the Blazer backcourt against the Utah backcourt. Um, as we know, Portland earlier in the season last year, Damon CJ outscored them what like 64 to 16 and they just outclassed them in every single facet of the game. That was going to be my choice, but you guys beat me to the punch. Well, that's I, that's the risk you take when you go third in these. But <laughs> I, I've got things up my sleeve. I've got second chance points because Portland is one of the NBA's best at doing so and not only are second chance points kind of a killer in a momentum sense to the opponent, it also riles up the fans. And anything you can do to get the fans going is a major plus. And then I think bench scoring. Portland is a much deeper team than Utah, especially now that they could be down two of their key rotation players. If Portland can get 25 to 30 bench points, 
will be rolling. You know, you're talking Turner and Crab, Turner from the mid range, Crab from the outside, possibly Shabazz Napier, and then Ed Davis just doing Ed Davis things down low. Portland will be in a fabulous position to take a 1 0 season series lead over the Jazz. Sage, what is your prediction? Did the Trailblazers get their 16th straight home opener victory? Well, are you going to be there? Oh, you know, I never break tradition. Well, then I'm going to go with the Blazers winning because you'd be a very sad bandit if they lost. But I also just think that the Blazers are more balanced. And... Evan, who you okay. got? Uh, Blazers. I mean, I think <laughs> from watching from watching the, the early the earlier on preseason games, uh, Dame looked really dialed. Um, I think Stotts has those guys ready to go. I think like they do, they have the past few off seasons getting together in San Diego and bonding and all that. I just, I think that they're going to be on the same page with Utah's injuries. Uh, I think they're going to be fighting an uphill battle. So I, I'm going to go with the Blazers. Yep. Uh, Blazers here as well. I'm taking my parents, Olga, um, my buddy Matt's coming up. So this is tradition. I actually have um, a team outing at work where we're get like free dinner and drinks. It's like an open bar. So I'm kind of bummed. I'm missing that, but it going to Blazers. Your workplace is so fun. It's really fucking rad. And what's cool is like um they announced the team meeting dates were the twenty fifth and I told my boss, I'm like, Hey, I'll be able to go to the meeting, but I can't go to dinner. Like I've got tickets, I'm taking my parents and they're like, Wait, why did they decide to do the team meeting on Blazers opening night? So uh that was just cool. That was the first thing that came, you know, came to her mind. So I'll definitely be um in spirit at my work, but I will be there present, cheering my ass off for the Blazers. Uh, I can't wait. I, football season is dead to me right now. Uh, it is a <laughs> season. Let's, you know, we got a couple preseason games coming up. Let's just pray for no injuries for all teams across, you know, all sports. But it starts. It starts next Tuesday. Sage, we will. You know, this is a weekly thing. We're going to be back at it. So for all of our listeners, remember to subscribe to us on iTunes. We're also available on Stitcher and SoundCloud at Holy Backboard PDX, uh, Instagram and Twitter at Holy Backboard. You know, we're going to hopefully continue to do more awesome giveaways with with Evan, who makes some of the best, if not the best, Blazers gear around. Um, we're going to give away a T-shirt tonight. And I'm just fired up. This is going to be a good season. I've got a good feeling about it. Uh, let's go, Blazers. Let's go.